Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Thursday, February 9th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. That includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Leah Mallory. And I'm Nicoletta Papavasilakis. Now let's see what's what in the city. Today, students are rallying at Tweed Courthouse in Manhattan. They are demanding that black history be taught in New York City public schools. The protest is organized by the New York City chapter of Black Lives Matter at School, a national coalition fighting for racial justice in education. The rally is part of their Week of Action, a series of student-led events during the first week of February dedicated to having conversations about race and racism at school. The students and coalition will be advocating for their four demands. These include hiring more black teachers and funding counselors. For more information, you can go to their Instagram page at blm underscore edu underscore ny. The MTA is making the commute a little easier for their customers with disabilities. They are coming out with some new updates to the Accessoride app and website. Accessoride will be more user-friendly with streamlined booking and a trip tracking feature. The MTA says that they made these changes based on customer feedback they received. In other MTA news, the Long Island Railroad service at Grand Central Madison will be fully up and running on Monday, February 27th. This will boost LIRR service by 40% with almost 300 trains in operation every day. Grand Central's new Madison terminal opened just last month after an almost 25-year construction process. The new terminal is a direct connection to Eastside Manhattan. In some sad news this week, a second city council member has died in New Jersey. Russell Heller, a representative for the Milford Borough Council, was discovered in a parking lot yesterday morning with a gunshot wound. This comes only a week after Sayreville Councilwoman Eunice Dwumfor was found deceased in her car, also from gunshot wounds. The suspect of Heller's incident has been found dead by police. Earlier this week, Turkey and Syria were hit by a magnitude 7.8 earthquake, resulting in thousands of deaths and structural damage. WFUV has a list of resources to support communities affected by the earthquake. You can find out more and donate at WFUV.org news. Today is National Pizza Day. All across the nation, you can find deals, discounts, and freebies for pizza lovers. So, Leah, with Super Bowl Sunday coming up this weekend, there's a lot to look forward to. Some people are excited for the football, some can't wait for the halftime show, and some people just like the food. Specifically, chicken wings. And this year, Americans will be eating them in record-breaking numbers. The National Chicken Council just released their annual chicken wing report, which predicts that almost 1.5 billion chicken wings will be consumed by the nation. There are two reasons for this. For one, Americans are getting back into larger gatherings for the big game post-COVID. And while the U.S. is experiencing inflation, the price of chicken wings are actually more affordable than last year. New York City is saying goodbye to one of the nation's oldest cheese shops. Oliva Dairy in Manhattan's Little Italy is shutting its doors for good on March 5th. A Cuban icon is getting her face on the American coin. Celia Cruz, also known as the Queen of Salsa, will be featured on the U.S. Quarter as part of the American Woman Quarters program. The project highlights the accomplishments and contributions of women in the country. The five-time Grammy Award-winning singer will be the first Afro-Latina to be featured on the American Quarter, and it'll be released next year. And some fun entertainment history for you. On this day in 2009, Beatles member Ringo Starr was given a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Also on this day, Madonna reached number one on the U.S. album chart for her hit Like a Virgin in 1985.
The streak would last for three weeks. And now, on to the world of sports with WFUV's Andrew Canary. Thanks, guys. Today is the NBA trade deadline, so there's been some massive league-wide trades just within the past couple hours. Over on the West Coast, the Los Angeles Lakers seem to have willed themselves back into playoff contention with a three-way trade between the Utah Jazz and the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a collective eight-player trade that most notably sees the long-awaited departure of Russell Westbrook from the Lakers. In return, the Lakers received D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt, which breathes new life into the aging Lakers roster and will help fill out squad rotations for playoff contention. Right now, it seems like the Lakers pulled off a heist. They improved massively with little to no cost in terms of players or draft picks, but we'll see how this plays out as we get closer to the start of the playoffs. Reeling it back to the East Coast, there's some huge trade news for the Brooklyn Nets. Superstar Kevin Durant has officially been traded to the Phoenix Suns in a massive trade that earns the Nets Mikal Bridges, Cam Johnson, four first-round picks, and additional draft compensation. This is both shocking and somewhat expected news, as there were no rumors of Durant being on the table for a trade, but his lifelong friend and former teammate Kyrie Irving was traded earlier this week to the Dallas Mavericks. Hearing of the news after his first start with the Mavericks last night, Kyrie said, quote, I'm just glad that he got out of there. Kyrie later clarified that he's happy they'll be able to compete against each other more often, but considering their friendship and cooperation in Brooklyn, Kyrie seems to be insinuating a falling out between the Nets and the duo. Kevin Durant has yet to release a statement, but he's expected to start playing soon, pending his return from injury. For WFUV Sports, I'm Andrew Crenary. Thanks, Andrew. In honor of Black History Month, we'll be featuring a series highlighting black representation in music around New York City. This week, WFUV's Christina Lulidge sat down with the global head of business and executive producer of Afropunk to talk about their festival at Lincoln Center this month that celebrates and uplifts black women. February is Black History Month, but organizations like Afropunk celebrate black history all year round. And they're bringing their celebration to Lincoln Center the last week in February to celebrate Black History Month. Afropunk is a brand widely recognized for its music festivals. The first festival took place in Brooklyn in 2005. It was intended to be a safe space for punk artists and fans who felt they weren't welcomed in other settings. It's through brands like Afropunk that help propel the conversation and more so than that, create a safe space for people to commune for people to not be judged and for people to celebrate themselves. That was Shauna Gray. She's the global head of business development for Afropunk. While the organization is mainly associated with the music festival experience, she says that they are evolving. The direction of the business, especially this year, is showing up in these unexpected places. It's creating experiences for all demographics of our audience. So this year, Afropunk teamed up with Lincoln Center to host Black Her Story. There will be a series of performances from music to poetry to spoken word. Some of the highlighted performers are music artists like Celise and India Ari. Executive producer of Afropunk Anthony Maddox says there will be something for everyone at the event. I think what we were looking to create was a good intersection of the community. So we created this sort of micro festival that uh, sort of popped up at Lincoln Center. We really wanted to give a good intersection of the you know, Black Girl Magic that we sort of consolidated for this two-night experience. The themes of the festival are agony and ecstasy. It's meant to represent the American experience of Black women throughout history. And the ecstasy is sort of 
the the joy of the other side of the rainbow. And that's really what the juxtaposition of agony and ecstasy sort of represented for Black her story. And obviously looking at, you know, the complex history of Black women in this country. The event will also include pop-up shops and vendors that sell products made by Black female entrepreneurs. Jonas says this is a way people can support Black Her Story, even if they aren't fans of the music festival experience. We wanted to be able to bring something special to the Lincoln Center experience and having the focal point be around those that you know identify as female was really important for this business and continuing to do what it does, which is uplift those that might not have the opportunity to be uplifted in other areas. Feel free to join in on this celebration of Black history on February 24th and 25th. I'm Christina Lulich, WFUV News. That was WFUV's Christina Lulich talking to Afropunk about their Herstory Music Festival at Lincoln Center, February 24th and 25th. And that's our show for today. I'm Nicoletta Papavasilakis. And I'm Leah Mallory. Check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, culture, and sports. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.